0: Back in 1997, I got hired to work at Judd's Incorporated in Strasburg, and it was there that I met a guy named Dave. Um, And over the course of time, Dave and I got to spend more time together, eventually we got to work in the same department. Um, And as nice as Dave was, it it seemed fairly evident that he wasn't a believer. In 2001, in anticipation of FBC moving into the new larger building to have worship and uh, adult classes and children's ministries. There was a Sunday when everybody picked up from where they had been having church in the old building, and they went over to the new building that at this point was framed, concrete was laid, but the drywall hadn't been hung and the carpet hadn't been laid and people were given Sharpies, and they were told to, to think of someone that they would like to see impacted by the ministries of FPC in that building, and to write those names either on the concrete, on a steel beam, wherever they could find a place to write, knowing that it would all be covered up later once the, the building was finished. Well, I didn't get to make it that day. I was home, as memory serves, I think I was home with a sick child, so I wasn't able to be there, but I heard about it, over and over and over again as the years went on about this this great day when people got to go over and write names of people they were praying for. After we were in the building, we started a campaign where we were asked to pray for someone that we knew that prayed for one person for one minute at one o'clock in the afternoon. So we were given little cards to write that person's name on as a reminder and to post it someplace wherever we would be at one o'clock as a reminder to, to, to pray for that person. So I wrote the name of Dave, this guy that I got to know at work. About a year later, Dave and I were no longer working together. And as often happens, we didn't see each other as much as we did before. We would occasionally email, we would occasionally meet together for lunch, but we weren't nearly as as close and communicating nearly as much as we had been when we were working. Fast forward a few years from there, I got hired on at the church and then it occurred to me that when you work at the church, you have access to the building and places in the building that you don't have access to necessarily when you're not on staff. And I realized that there were some places that still had some exposed beams. So one day I grabbed a Sharpie and went over to one of those beams and I wrote Dave's name because his was the name I would have written had I been at the church that day when we all went over to the new building. So continue to pray for Dave. Um, didn't see him as much, didn't talk to him as much, but continue to pray. And then Thanksgiving weekend, 2021, I got a Facebook message from another former co-worker. He was wanting to communicate with us to let us know that Dave had passed away. Uh, he'd had cancer for the last couple of years, years, being the, the quiet, private person that Dave was, he didn't want to bring a lot of attention to himself, so he didn't really tell many people besides those that were that were really closest to him. Um, it was a real shock, it was a real surprise. I didn't even know that he had been sick. And it, of course, made me wonder, you know, if the time that i had that spent with him, I'd invited him to hear Larry Moyer during one of our evangelistic events at church. I didn't think he was gonna come, but he agreed to come. I was just wondering, you know, what if God had been able to get a hold of him through all the, the times with me and with the other folks from, from church? So um, went to the funeral and was just praying on the way there that, that God would just let me know, just give me some kind of a, a hint or a, a sign that that Dave had come to faith. Well, we're there. It's an outdoor funeral. We're standing near the, uh, near the grave. And there were two pastors At this service and the one was talking about how as it was clear that dave's end was near he he met with dave on a few occasions and wanted to make sure that dave clearly understood the gospel and he shared at that funeral that he felt that dave had come to faith and um, i was really encouraged by that and without reading too much into this at the same time that the pastor shared that he felt that dave had come to faith off to the side, over in the, the hills near the the funeral near the cemetery, this big rainbow just showed up. And I thought that was kind of a neat um, little bow on that um, sign that I had asked for, just some kind of hint that maybe Dave had come to faith. So I was encouraged that Dave might actually very well be with the Lord. Um, and I was thankful that that god had just put him on my heart all those years before um, to just talk to share with bring him to that evangelistic service and pray for mostly pray for over the years Um, so it's just nice that god allowed me the opportunity to see him at work um, uh, bringing dave to to himself
1: Good morning. Morning to those who are watching on live stream and to F3 this morning. As a part of our building bridges focus, we've been spending some time in prayer, uh, wanting to focus our focus on prayer, because we realize that um, without without the work of the Holy Spirit, um, people's lives are not going to be changed, and people are not going to come to faith in Christ. And we want to have a prayer time this morning where you will be able to... I'll, I'll be sharing some prayer prompts with you on the, on the uh, screens with, with passages and letting those passages guide our time in prayer. So I'm asking you to just, right where you are, in the quietness of your own heart, um, take this opportunity to praise, uh, to, to, to pray to the Lord. Um, have five sections, okay? The first one is we're going to spend a few moments praising the Lord. And then we're going to ask the Lord, and then we're going to thank the Lord and then we're going to ask the Lord again, and then we're going to thank him for what he's, for what he's doing. And you'll see as we, as we go along. And so um, the first prayer prompt this morning is, is we've already read from Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. So take a moment and praise the Lord in the quietness of your own heart using this scripture passage that tells you what God is like and let it guide you as you as you praise the Lord for who he is go ahead Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to approach your throne of grace. Together as brothers and sisters, together as your children, together as children of the King, we are so thankful for this opportunity. And we want to just acknowledge that you are gracious and that you are merciful. We praise you for being slow to anger and great and loving kindness. We praise you that you are good and that your mercies are over all your works. We give you praise and acknowledge that you are our Father. We love you. Um, Lord, in the quietness of this time, I I just pray that each one of us would be mindful that we are before you, before your throne. We believe because you tell us that is the truth. So we thank you for this opportunity to pray together, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to work in and through us as we come before you, in Christ's name. So I want to ask the Lord... Uh, Matthew 4 19 Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men so we want to ask the Lord that he um, would help us number one to even want to follow him to want uh, to know him more and that he would make us into fishers of men and women uh, individually but then as a body here at Fellowship Bible Church that we would be um, known as fishers of men and women Uh, And so go ahead and take a moment and ask the Lord according to this passage. Father, thank you for the privilege of being given this message of reconciliation, that we who know Jesus have been reconciled to you, Father. And then you have given us this opportunity to be fishers of men and women who need to hear the same amazing story that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. Will you corporately work in our hearts that we would be a body of believers that would be um, so passionate about following you and then leading others to you as well. So we thank you in Christ's name. Well, let's take a moment and thank the Lord. Our verse here is Psalm 9-1. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. So we want to take a moment and thank the Lord in the quietness of our hearts, and we can tell that, be thankful that we can tell of the wonders of God, specifically the wonder of the cross and what Jesus Christ has done who He is, and and what He's done for us. So take a moment and thank the Lord. Father, we give thanks to you just for our very breath. Lord, our heart is beating because of you. We are here. We were able to walk here this this morning and um, get in our cars and come and and then walk into the building because of you. Everything that we have, everything that we do, Lord, we are grateful that you give us the strength and the power. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for the gift of life of your son, thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you so much that we have this amazing hope. Thank you so much for all our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us, some of our loved ones. Lord, we're thankful that they are in your presence. And now we are in your presence as well before your throne, just giving thanks for who you are. Thank you that we can tell of your wonders, the wonder of the cross. Thank you so much, Jesus, for sacrificing your life, for being our substitute, for giving of yourself, so that we could be healed, so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could be brought into a relationship with you. Thank you for these things. We love you, and we give you praise in Christ's name. So now we want to ask the Lord. John 11:25 25-26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, we do. We believe it so much that we want to pray for those who we, who we love, who we work, um, who we live with, who we play with. We, we want them to know, and we want them to believe that Jesus Christ died and that he rose again for them. And so take a moment, using John 11:25 through 26, as, uh, as let it guide you as you talk to the Lord, asking for the people in your life who you want to see come to Christ. Father, thank you for the crucifixion. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for Jesus. And I want to ask that those of us who are lifting up friends and family, coworkers, neighbors, Lord, would you please just hear these names and, and that would you, your Holy Spirit, work in the hearts of people and open their eyes to believe that, you, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life thank you we trust you in christ's name finally we want to thank the lord using psalm 95 1 through 3 as our guide oh come let us sing for the for joy to the lord let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and so let's thank the lord for what he's going to do we've 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 asked him to work in the hearts of those we love to come to know him Um, he's going to work in his time and in his way, and so let's thank him for who he is and what he's going to do. Go ahead. Father, we thank you and praise you, for the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. Thank you for this time of prayer. Thank you that we have done it together. Thank you for giving us, telling us to have confidence and boldness as we approach your throne of grace. And we love you and we give you praise and give all of these things into your hands. In Christ's name, amen.
2: Well, good morning. Good morning. John and I uh, will be doing a little tag team over the next couple of weeks. If you'd like to cheer each time we switch places, you can do that. It's fine. We, uh, we want to keep the excitement level high. Lots of clapping and cheering. How many of you got to see the, the Super Bowl last week? Lots of clapping and cheering there. How many of you had to be reminded uh, that the Super Bowl was actually going to be there? Yeah, you know, probably not. You know, every store you went into, every commercial you saw, every radio spot, every gas station, there was something about the Super Bowl. We were constantly being reminded. And then just a few days later, it was Valentine's Day. And if this is a reminder to you right now, I'm sorry, that's good information too late. Uh, But it was Valentine's Day. Uh, $25.9 billion spent on Valentine's this year. Uh, $5.5 billion was just in jewelry. But there was another $1.7 billion spent on pet valentines. Pet valentines, just a reminder there. What are some things that we need to be reminded for? You know, is it that recipe that you you have used hundreds of times, but you just like to have that recipe there just to make sure you get the right things in there? Or maybe it's to a place that you've been to a few times, but you need the directions because you're just just not quite sure. There are a lot of things we need to be reminded for. Things like, don't be afraid to ask for help. Or, don't compare yourself to others. It's, It's just a train wreck. It's a disaster. Just this past week, I heard a commentator say that Instagram is like a cancer to your soul. Or to remember things like, read as much as you can. There's nothing that's going to change you more than the people you meet and the books you read. Or, love covers a multitude of sin. Or that we need to be reminded that mercy triumphs over justice every time. We also need to be reminded that we have to build bridges to the people in our lives Because they will not build bridges into ours. Or how about being reminded of the greatness, the grace, and the power, the wisdom of our mighty God? We have lots of things to be reminded about. In fact, Peter, in his second epistle, uh, after after talking about halfway through his first chapter, he talks about being reminded of these things. He says uh, in 1 Peter, or 2 Peter, he says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in truth that you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside because the Lord has told me so, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure you will always be able to remember these things. We need to be reminded of things. Alistair Begg, he's a pastor at Parkside Church uh, outside of Cleveland. He's fond of the term, preaching the gospel to ourselves. Preaching the gospel to ourselves. He goes on to say, we have to constantly remind ourselves of Jesus' work on the cross. Because if we don't, we will quickly revert to the thought that it's faith plus works equals salvation." if we don't remind ourselves of what Jesus did on the cross. Alistair, again, he asks the the age-old question, that gospel question, uh, if you were to die tonight and you were to enter heaven, what would you say? The first thing I always wonder is, why do they always die at night? Nobody died during the day anymore. If you died at night, he goes on, he says, if you answer in the first person, you're already wrong. Because I, because I have faith, because I have done this, because I have done that, because I have fruit, because I have persevered. The only proper answer is in the third person. Because he. Because he is king and my savior. The thief on the cross has that very testimony. Because he. We're going to be in uh, Luke 23. And as you turn there, I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the opportunity to be in it and to to read through it and to glean from it. I pray that it doesn't leave us hollow, that it would fill us with your very presence. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for the opportunity. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in uh, Luke 23. We're going to start in. In verse 29, one of the criminals who were hanging there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered in rebuking him, said, Do you not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. So this morning when you woke up, and even throughout this day, you do not know if this is your last day on this planet. But these thieves and Jesus knew that this was their last day. This was the day they were to be crucified it's a sobering thought. The Romans were professionals at causing maximum amounts of pain and death. How brutal they could be, how brutal crucifixion was. You know, hitting your thumb with a hammer, uh, that brings m- momentary pain, maybe for a whole day. Being in a, a car accident, uh, you, you might be in pain for weeks, maybe months, but it ends. Crucifixion is absolute, utterly painful until your last breath. We actually get the word excruciating uh, from from that term. It literally means out of the cross. It was their last day. And what do we know? What do we know about these thieves? Really, not a whole lot. We do know that they've been tried by the Romans. They have been sentenced to death by crucifixion. We know that the Gospels uh, record them as being thieves, robbers, criminals, rebels. Uh, we get a little hint from Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan that, that those thieves not just robbed that man, they beat him mercifully, mercifully, say that a few times fast, and, and left him to die. We know that these thieves have witnessed the mocking of Jesus, and in fact, they joined in. Matthew, uh, he records the the mocking uh, in chapter 27. He says, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he delights in him. He said that I am the son of God. And the robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. They were joining in. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. At some point, one of the thieves has a change of mind. We're going to call him the thief on the right. When you picture the three crosses, we're going to call him the thief on the right. He rebukes the thief on the left. He said, Don't you even fear God? Is there nothing about you that? Doesn't understand the holiness of God. Now imagine, we don't often think of of this, but imagine from the thief's point of view that he is looking down his arm, past a nail in his hand, past Jesus, and to the thief on the other side. Don't you even fear God? He had some level of respect and authority for the holiness of God. And he realizes that the other thief has none. It goes on. And remember, each time, each time he's speaking, he's having to pull himself up to breathe and to speak. And eventually, he'd get too weak to be able to do that, and he'd be unable to breathe anymore, and that's how they die. He pulls himself up one more time and he goes on and he says, you're getting the same punishment as he is, but we're getting it because we deserve it. But this man has done nothing wrong. The thief on the right knew his sin. He knew that the payment for his sin was death. He was literally living out Romans 6.23 in that very moment, that the payment for sin is death. He also knew that Jesus, either from earlier testimonies of, him, of people on the ground, or maybe he heard it in the street, that, that Jesus is innocent. We don't know where he heard this. Maybe he heard Jesus preach. Uh, maybe he saw a healing. Maybe he, maybe he received a free meal along with 5,000 other people. We don't know. But he knew that in that moment, Jesus was innocent and that this man had done nothing wrong. That somewhere, somehow, he learned that Jesus had lived a purposeful, blameless life. Who told him this? Who built a bridge into this man's life with this truth? Was it his neighbor? His parents? Siblings? Was it Maybe somebody he had worked with or a shopkeeper. Who had built a bridge into this man's life? Who had prayed for this man? We don't know. But his conversation changes. His conversation changes. He literally is still looking down his right arm. Past that nail. He pulls himself up and now he speaks to Jesus. And his first word is Jesus' name. Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the freshness after a rain. Let all heaven and earth proclaim that there are kings and kingdoms that will all pass away, but there's something about that name. The thief realizes in that moment that Jesus is also Lord of this moment. He knows he's sovereign in the situation over all of creation. And then it's his step of faith. He says, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He doesn't say, if you come into your kingdom. He says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. He's certain. He believes that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus Said he was from heaven, that he and the Father were one, that if you knew him, you knew the Father. He claimed to have power to forgive sins, to judge the world, and to know the thoughts of men. He claimed the glory of God even before the beginning of time. And Jesus stood in front of the very people who were crucifying him and standing at the base of this cross at seven different times, claiming the name, I am All the Jews would recall in their memory when Moses was speaking with God and he asked him for his name and God said, I am. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the true vine. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but through me. And that's something we all need to be reminded of. The thief recognizes who Jesus was and he believed. Jesus immediately acknowledges his faith and he tells him so. He says, Truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. How can this be? It's a mystery. How sharp was this thief's eschatology? How about his theology proper or his soteriology? Had he been baptized? Had he been to church? Sunday school? Did he know the four spiritual laws or the Roman road? How could this be? You see, the key that turns the lock into the door of paradise is faith in Christ. Faith and faith alone. And yes, we all need to be reminded of this. Why? Because that truth is a building block for bridges. Now moments later, it became noon, the sun went dark for hours, the veil was torn in two. And Jesus breathed out his last and he cries, Father, into your hands. I commit my spirit. And at that very moment, he's paying for our sins. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to preach the cross to ourselves every day. Not so that we don't forget it, but so that we don't become proud and arrogant. The power of the cross, it's the same power that saved the thief that saved you, that saved me, that saves the people we're praying for, the people whose names are on these tiles behind me, the people that even today John mentioned, we're praying for them over and over again. Who are those people? The power of the cross saves them as well. Friends, we have been given the opportunity to build bridges into those people's lives So that we can be an ambassador of Christ for them. So that we can speak the name Jesus to them. There's just something about that name. Like the fragrance after the rain. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. All the kingdoms... We'll pass away, but there's something about that name. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your son, Jesus. It's because of him that we are able to speak truth about the hope that we have in his grace, in his payment for our sins. It's because of Jesus that you've allowed us to to be your ambassador, to speak the gospel with clarity and precision to those who need to hear the hope of that name. May we pray this in Jesus' name.
3: Amen. Amen.
1: How many of you have been to um, the Mackinac Bridge in Michigan? Anybody? show of hands. A few have been to Paradise, um, pure Michigan. Um, we have a picture here of the Mackinac Big Mac. Uh, it's about five miles long. It connects the upper peninsula to the lower peninsula. So um, on the east side is Lake Huron, and on the west is Lake Michigan. And uh, it is a—it's an impressive bridge, um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, as impressive of a structure that it is, um, it pales in comparison to the bridge that two people built in my life, and uh, and got together with me and my older brother and my younger brother back in October of 1976, and uh, they were meeting with us and sharing the gospel with us, and in our sixth meeting. Uh, I came to understand as they shared the good news of Jesus Christ, of what we just heard from Scott, that God is holy, um, that I'm a sinner, that Jesus is perfect, and that he's, the, that he's the Messiah, and that Jesus, I believe in you, and he gave me eternal life because people built a bridge into, um, into our family's life and, and shared that amazing good news of Jesus Christ. We um, have been talking about this building bridges and praying for people, and, and so we want to uh, do something now. Uh, not, you know, you're sitting in new chairs, and I know they're comfy, um, but in front of you, they, each chair has a pocket, okay? And in that pocket, you're going to find um, a tile like this, and there's also markers in there, okay? And there's one tile for you. Um, if you're sitting in one of the rows that you don't have a chair in front of you, there should be a plastic bin. I'm looking at a few in the front row here, and maybe in, I'm in the middle there, too. Um, <clears throat> and so what we would like to do is we would like you to write the name of the person that you are praying for. You know, in the video um, of Roger, he had that on his computer screen, the 111, who, who he was praying for, one person, uh, once a day at 1 o'clock. And, and so uh, this is the, what we're wanting you to do is write a name of, of a person that you are praying for. And uh, what we'd like you to do um, is write that name on that tile, and then there are, at the doors there are bins um, that you'll notice. Um, last night at FSAT, you know, some people put their tiles in there. We want all of you to to put your tile in one of those bins, and we're going to create um, an artistic representation of our mission of building bridges to those we love. Um, and so I'm not going to create that, so that's good news. But someone will, and uh, and it's going to just be a representation of. As a family of God, this is a corporate mission that we're on, and and we're doing this individually, but we're also praying for each other. We support one another, um, and and God has called us to do this together as a church. And so, um, just take a moment, please, and fill out, um, on the, write a name on that tile, who you're, someone you're praying for. Go ahead. I can encourage you to remember as you're walking out uh, to put the tile in one of those bins and uh, we'll see what uh, some creative people come up with as a representation of our, our desire as, as a body um, to reach out to those who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, uh, to be able to worship you, to acknowledge how great you are and do that corporately and remind each other as we're sit- standing next to someone and we're singing the great about the greatness of God and then and then being able to <clears throat> read Psalm 145 together and then be able to to pray through scripture together and then be able to hear from your word from Scott and in Luke and uh, Lord just being able to be saturated with the truth of your word that is living and active and uh, Father I pray that your holy spirit would take what is been taught and what has been sung and what has been prayed through this morning and will you help us to get to know you more intimately that you would transform us um, and and conform us to the image of jesus lord um, it is so amazing to be able to know you and i pray that that lord would just be a motivator for us um, as we know you more intimately to want to share you with others to make you known uh, the people that we have written names on these tiles, Lord, we give them to you. We know that you are able uh, because you are God. Uh, we we know you are able to change their lives, to draw them to yourself, to open their eyes to who Jesus is, to remove the veil of darkness so that they can see the glory of Jesus, the risen Lord. We're so thankful that we can we can trust you with these people, and we do. Lord, thank you uh, for the privilege of being um bridge builders into people's lives thank you for giving us the message of re- reconciliation in our own lives and then to give it to us to share with others we pray in christ's name amen
3: a number of years ago a friend of mine from work and i would have coffee pretty much every week and we would just talk about everything and uh, And over the years, it was a very rich and rewarding friendship, and it still is. And uh, sometime during that time, uh, for my birthday, John Morrison bought me a book. It was written by a Harvard professor on a standing-room-only class that he taught on a hypothetical conversation between Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis. And it was the type of book that... Once you read it, you just wanted to talk to somebody about it. So I brought it in one day to talk with Fred about it, and we decided to maybe get a group of guys together and just do it as a group, and, and we did. He invited another colleague from work. I invited uh, two guys from church. We read the book and had a really delightful Sunday afternoon talking about it for four and a half hours. No one really wanted to leave. But on the ride home, Fred, my friend, said to me that he was impressed by a disagreement how it was handled between the two guys from FBC. And it was over, I think, the age of the earth, maybe. And he said to me, Jim, I thought all of you evangelicals believed the exact same thing. And I said, well, no, I mean, on the essentials we do, but uh, there's a difference between unity and uniformity, and there's just a lot of gray areas in life. And And I thought about, The fact that a lot of the misunderstanding and um, that misconceptions that people have about us and about our faith is simply rooted in the fact that they're just not around us. And that was brought home to me this week when a Muslim friend invited me out for coffee. And one of the things he wanted to do was he wanted to make sure that I had no misunderstandings or no misconceptions about what a good Muslim man was. And we had a great conversation about God, about Jesus, about Halal, the Quran, the Bible, grace, law, love, Jesus, uh, angels, Chick-fil-A. And he was getting a bit frustrated because his English wasn't Good enough to take him to the depth of the conversation he wanted to. So he asked me if I would mind meeting with his brother-in-law, who speaks great English. He's a good guy; I know him, and uh, and talk further about these things. And I said, sure, I'd like to. In fact, uh, tomorrow for lunch, we're having lunch with him. And um, so on the drive home, I was thinking, how. I wonder if they're trying to convert me to Islam, and I flattered by that, that um, that he, his affection for me would be such that he would want me to love the things that he loves. And that is true, I think, in all of our relationships. It is with my friend, Fred, and with my neighbors. In fact, tragedy would come to Fred's life, as it will to all of us. And those propositional and conceptual things we talked about uh, that one Sunday long ago, became very proximate and very real and very personal. And certainly it changed the tone and the tenor of our conversations with one another. You know, when Scott asked me to do uh, this little snippet, I don't think he was thinking everyone should do a book club, but if you are gonna do one, this is a good one. I think he believes that it's not enough for us in here to just share with one another about those things we love but to actually go out there in a very busy and noisy, visible landscape that can be overwhelming, to build a bridge to the invisible reality of the kingdom of God. I don't do it all the time or do it very well sometimes, but I find out that when I do, that I am building a history with God that enriches me and it enriches others. Elizabeth Elliot, in her epilogue to her book, Through the Gates of Splendor, uh, a story that probably is being lost to history now, it's a story of five young men who were speared to death in Ecuador, one of which was her husband, wrote that oftentimes, inevitably, somebody is going to ask her, how many Alcas became Jesus followers, how many were saved? And she said to ask that question is in a sense to actually dethrone God, to think that the riches of God are entirely searchable and uh, as if five deaths of young men equal so many believers. And she said that God is up to things that we can't even imagine. And she quotes a the unofficial motto of the US Coast Guard, which is probably in every life station, lifeboat station in the US that says, you have to go out, you don't have to come back. And she then went to all the imperfections of all of those young men and all of their issues. And because they were compelled by the love of God to go out, they went and they just didn't come back. In the same way too, I think Jesus is calling us out into a space where he is already working and it's nothing heroic and I think as he calls us to build these bridges to our neighbors and to our co-workers in a sense we too are building an experiential relationship into the life of God himself and it's transformative and we gain a knowledge of God that we cannot get simply from reading a book or simply from a Bible study or simply from a sermon. We're gaining a knowledge of God that builds our faith in obedience. And when we do that, we realize that we are not alone and that God is in this thing with us. You know, Joshua, in the first chapter of Joshua, he would say, be courageous and be strong. Uh, Do not be fainthearted for I am with you and we are imperfect. But we are yoked to someone who is, and we don't have to do that alone.
2: Father, we want to thank you again for opportunities to come and to worship and to be a part. Uh, but, But each of us are going to leave this building, the safety of this time of worship, and we're going to go back out into the world that you have called us into, that you have sent us into this world for the purpose of being your ambassador. So my prayer, Father, is that as each one of us interact with those people that we live, work, and play with, that you would give us open doors for the gospel, that you would give us uh, opportunities to, to step into those times uh, with, with boldness. And I pray, Father, for each individual that That they would allow your spirit to guide them in those times. And I look forward to hearing their stories. Lord, we love you. And we pray this in your precious son's name, Jesus. Amen.
3: Have a great morning.